think that's all of them. Anyone else? All right. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Find your spot there. And whenever you find it, go ahead and stand. I will say this, another blessing is that Brother Jerry seems to be doing a lot better. Just keep praying for him. If you've been praying, his blood pressure has been all over and seems like it's starting to stable out. So that's a huge blessing. Anyone there? Say amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are getting close to the end here, aren't we? We're not going to read all the rest of them, so sorry. You're just like, man, let's finish it out. Two more. Yeah, this week and then next week, okay? Paul says this in verse 23 and 24. And the very God of peace, say that word with me, sanctify. We're going to talk a lot about that today. The very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. Now that's a big W, okay? Holy, entirely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. That's an awesome verse right there. Um, and we'll get into it tonight. Let's pray. God, oh, wait, the title. Gotta, I can't break the... No. Oh, I'll say it again after you sit down. The title is this. <laughs> the Call to Sanctification. Get in your mind, so you can write it down, and let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for your work that you do in us of sanctification. And Lord, it's maybe one that we're not familiar with, perhaps, and I pray by the end of today we are familiar with that and we're thankful for that. Um, and I pray that you would be... Um, be with us as we dive into your word. Help me as I explain it. Help us all to understand and align our lives with your word tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The call to sanctification. All right. And so, verse uh, chapter 5, verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now that, that sentence is the beginning of we could say it like this, the beginning of the end. He's closing out his book uh, of First Thessalonians. It's a letter that he wrote. And what it does, what he's doing here, Paul is, is he's bringing us full circle to what he really started back in chapter 4. Okay? And so go to chapter 4, just probably one page back. And if you remember, uh, as we've been studying this book, that for the first three chapters, Paul was basically telling how much he's thankful for the church of Thessalonica. He was building them up. He wasn't just throwing flowers, though, was he? No, they were, they were really a blessing to him. They were a, a church that was doing the work. They were a healthy church. They were a vibrant church. They were a faithful church. And even though they were heavily persecuted, they were doing the work. And they were preaching the gospel. They were reaching the lost, even though the lost hated them. And they were doing it. And so they were a healthy church. Well, then, starting in chapter 4, uh, Paul began writing to them to help them to stay a healthy church. That's really been our series for, I think, the last two months, how to stay a healthy church. Now, look in verse 1 of chapter 4. Furthermore, then, because of everything I've said, uh, we beseech you. Now, we as Paul and his team, they're begging this church, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God 
so ye would abound more and more. So he says, you have received from us, and you are walking it, you are living it out, you are not just giving us lip service, you know, saying what we want to hear, but you're truly living it out. And so I want you to abound in that. You're doing great, abound. We can always do better as a, as a church, can't we? And no matter how healthy we are as a church, we can always abound. And so we want to keep healthy, and we want to become more and more into the church that God wants for us. Um, and so he says this, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, For this is the will of God. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, here it is. Even your sanctification. You see that? Remember we read the word sanctify? And so, and then he finishes up that verse with, that ye should abstain from fornication. And so he says, what I'm going to do now for two chapters is help you to abound more and more, to continue this on this path. Now remember, this church was very young. This church was less than a year old. Nobody in this church was saved for more than a year. So they had a lot of growing to do, a lot of learning to do. They had started the right path, but they've got a long way to go. And so Paul's going to tell them, this is how you stay on that right path. Um, and then he says, the reason that I want to tell you all of this is because of verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. He says, the reason I'm begging you to do this is not because I want it necessarily, it's because it's the will of God that you are in this process of sanctification. You're a young church, you're on the right path, but you have much to learn and you have much growing to do. And, and you're going to become, as Paul said in other, uh, I believe it's in Corinthians, that you, you would go from glory to glory to glory. That your, your entire life as Christians, your entire life as, we'll, we'll call it the, the first Baptist church of Thessalonica, right? Or Thessalonica Baptist Church. That little church that started. You are going to be growing until the day Christ comes back. That's sanctification. You're, you're, you're healthy, why? Not because you have everything right, but because you have a desire to have everything right. But here's the, here's the reality, is in this life, we will never be what's called entirely sanctified. We will never be fully sinless. And it might sound obvious, but that's kind of confused in some Christian circles. Some people believe that there is a thing called a second blessing, where you are, are fully sanctified. But that's not going to happen in this life, but what we do need to be is on the path of sanctification. And that's where the church was. And Paul wanted to help them to stay on that path. Are you following? Okay. So then he talks about sexual purity. But sanctification, just because it's in the same verse, doesn't mean that it, it, that's the, the entirety of sanctification. The, the, this process of sanctification wasn't just sexual purity. That sexual purity was just the beginning of a long list of commands that he gave from chapter 4 all the way until our verses uh, in chapter 5, verse 23. And so uh, these commands that Paul gave were to help them remain a healthy church, and if they wanted to live that sanctified life, then they needed to keep all of these commands that he gave. How are we doing? All that makes sense? I know it's been a long day since so we've been working, but are we doing all right? Okay. All right, so, well, then what in the world is sanctification? Well, the word sanctify means to be set apart, to be set apart. 
for a special use. And of, of course, biblically, we're talking about being set apart from sin unto holiness for God's use. That's sanctification. That's what it means to be sanctified. To be set apart from the world to be used for God. And so in the Bible, when you see the word sanctify or sanctification, or by the way, when you see the word holy or holiness, those are all the same root word, which all mean in different forms, in different contexts, but all of them mean to be set apart. God is holy. Do you know why he's holy? Because he's totally set apart from us, isn't he? He is totally other than. He, there is nothing like him, is there? Nowhere near. And so he is the epitome of holiness. But then here's what happens, is as his people, he says, be ye holy as I am holy. And what he is set, set apart from most is sin. Are you following? God is fully separate from sin. Well, obviously, because sin defined is going against God. Okay? And so as God's people, he's holy. He calls us to be holy. He calls us to separate ourselves from sin. And so that's what sanctify means as well. Sanctification, holy, or holiness. They're all dealing with that idea. The idea of being separated or set apart from sin, and not just for that reason, but to be set apart from sin and unto God. You see? Paul says, put off the old man, but then do what? Put on the new. And we're supposed to, to give up our old life, and then we're supposed to live a new life. When we're, when we're saved, we are raised, we're dead, and raised unto newness of life. And so we're not just, we're not just like monks who, who sit in a mountain and do everything we can to be set apart from everything and then just be isolationists. We're supposed to be set apart from one thing and because we're going toward another. Are you following? Think of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Well, why not kill? Because God's for life. You see? And so if we want to be like God, we, we want to be for life, so then we are against killing. <laughs> you see? Are you following? Why does he say don't bear false witness? Because God's for truth and honesty. And you see how we're sa being sanctified is not just shunning what is bad, but also clinging to what is godly. Sanctification. You doing good? Okay. And so Paul's burden for them is to be sanctified, to be set apart from the world, to be used of God. As Paul said in chapter 4, he wanted them to abound more and more. And so the idea is this, that they would become less and less sinful and carnal, and then more and more holy or Christ-like. That's what Paul wants for them. They will never be purely sanctified, but they are, they are always supposed to be more sanctified than they were yesterday. And I'll tell you this, you're not going to be perfect, and you're never going to have everything figured out. And you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. Here's what you need to compare yourself with. Yesterday, you. Are you, from yesterday to today, are you more separated from sin, or are you more separated from God? Because wherever you are, if you've moved from where you are spiritually, you've, you've, either, you've either gotten further away from sin or you've gotten further away from God. 
And sanctification is the process by which day by day, week by week, step by step, that's why Paul calls it a walk, that we step by step move further and further away from sin and closer to God. Sanctification. Okay. Now I will say that the word sanctification is sometimes used in reference to our salvation. Um, If you look at 1 Corinthians 6, now we're going to do some flipping today, but mostly I'll be quoting it to you, but I wanted to show you this. 1 Corinthians 6, um, if you're not there by the time I am, just kind of listen close. Paul says this to them, to to the church at Corinth. Now, if you know anything about the church at Corinth, they had a lot of problems. We would not call them sanctified, holy uh, in that sense. They have a lot of issues, okay? But here's what Paul said about them in verse 11 of of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. See? Um, But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so here Paul ties together sanctified and justified. Now justified is what happens when you get saved. Justified is when your sins are forgiven. Justified is when God looks at you as if you've never sinned. That's justified. That's what the blood of Christ did on the cross. And so Paul said that the Corinthians were justified, but he also used the word sanctified. But they weren't sanctified the same as what we're talking about here. Again, think about what the word means, set apart. Okay? And so they were set apart when they were saved. We'll explain that if you look at Hebrews 10.10. Now, I'm just going to read it to you because I've got a lot of random verses to throw at you. You can write this down. You can try to look it up, but I'm going to read it, okay? Hebrews 10.10 says this, By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so at salvation, that this is a work that takes place the time you're saved. This sanctification. There's two kinds of sanctification, at least, but, but two that we're going to talk about. And so... His righteousness, Christ's righteousness, was credited to our account. And so when God sees you, He sees you through the blood of Christ, and He sees you holy, doesn't He? He sees you sinless. He sees you righteousness. Righteous, righteous, this righteous, that's it. He sees you righteous, not because of your righteousness, but because of Christ's righteousness, okay? And so in this sense, every believer is sanctified. Are you following? In that sense. Well, how so? Well, you're set apart from for God's use, positionally. God sanctified. He set you apart from the world when he saved you, didn't he? And, and there's a sense where you're holy and righteous and sinless, and it's because of the righteousness of God that is given to you when you're saved. Okay? So that's, that's one way sanctification is used. By the way, that's why the Bible calls every believer a saint. Every believer is a saint. Saint means sanctified one. Same root word as sanctified. Saint means sanctified one. And so all believers are saints. Nobody gets to choose this person's a saint and this person's not a saint. Saint Paul and Saint Peter and Saint whoever, Saint Patrick, right? None of these guys are more saintly than us. And I'm not going to prove it to you tonight, but all throughout the scripture you'll see that we are all called saints. Uh, in, our, in our verse, Ephesians 4.12, it says the edification of the 
saints. He's talking about the church family. And he calls the church family saints. He's not saying you only, you only encourage the ones who the Catholic Church has decided is really special. That's not who he's saying. He's saying you, you encourage the saints, the believers in your body. So, and on and on, he calls us all saints. And it's because of this. It's because we're sanctified the day we're saved. Are we doing good? All right. And so we are, we are set apart unto God. Every believer is, in one sense, sanctified. We have all been set apart from the world unto God when we were saved. Okay, so then the question is this. Why did Paul pray that, they would, that God would sanctify them? Right? Look at our verse in chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Well, why did he pray that? Well, because there's a different, there's a different form of sanctification. Are you following there's two different ways this word is used. It just means set apart. And so we're set apart as in that we're now the child of God. But now what we need to do is live like what we are. And we need to set apart our life for God's use. Are you following? Yeah. If they were already sanctified, then why would Paul say that? And it's because the same word sanctified is used a different way. The word is used in our passage context to describe the spiritual growth of a believer. And so, yes, a believer belongs to the Lord, and we're sanctified that way, and he or she has been set apart for God's use. But at the same time, there is a process through which every believer must pass. And this is no doubt what Jesus talked about in John 17, 17, when he said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word, is truth. And so Jesus prayed that his disciples would be sanctified. Now, obviously, they were already saved, right? They were already saved. But Jesus prayed that his disciples would be sanctified. Yeah. And so God would do this work of progressive sanctification through how? His word. Isn't that what Jesus said? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is the process. We sit under the Word, we listen to the Word of God, and then day by day, step by step, week by week, service by service, hopefully day by day as you're reading, you become more and more and more into the image of Christ from glory to glory, changed day by day. That's sanctification. And that's the same process that Paul had in mind in our passage. And so here's what it is. Sanctification is the process by which God changes a believer to become more like Christ in his attitude, his ambitions, and his actions. Are you seeing the inside and out? It's not just an outward thing. It's not just do the motions. Sanctification first is in the heart, and then works its way out. We're going to see that today. It's when we as Christians become more and more set apart unto God. When we get further away from living in sin and by the flesh and closer and closer into the image of Christ. And so since chapter 4 as we said, Paul has been giving command after command after command about what they need to do if they're going to be sanctified. That's what we've been dealing with. And it was like rapid fire. Boom, boom, boom. That's why a lot of our, our, our sermons were like one or two verses, because it was a, a whole 
by itself standalone command, and then another command, and another command. Just before our passage, starting in verse 16, it was it was very quick. Verse 16, re- rejoice evermore, and then pray without ceasing, and then in everything give thanks, and then quench not the spirit, and despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. We spent six weeks or so dealing with that. That was like five verses, you see. And he's just throwing it out there. Boom, boom, boom. And these are heavy topics. Rejoice always, evermore. Pray all the time. Give thanks for everything. Quench not the Spirit. These are heavy, fundamental things, commands. And so Paul recognizes, when he gets to the end of this list, and he wants us to recognize this, that all of this that he's talking about, it's not going to be done on our own. You're not going to just pull up your bootstraps and do this list. That's what Paul is getting to here. And so Paul gives some clarification and some things to remember as they're on this journey of sanctification. And so the first thing is this. It is God that sanctifies us. God's the one that's going to sanctify you. If you're going to be sanctified, it's going to be by God. He's the one. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And, and like I said, as they went through this list of commands, it would have become overwhelming to this church. This baby church saved less than a year, and, and they hear all these things, and they would have been overwhelming. And I want to tell you, the Christian life can become overwhelming for you. If you come to church and you hear all these things that, you know, that we preach about and, and you're like, I can't do that. It could become overwhelming because your life up until the day you were saved was lived a different way. And now you're changing everything and you're learning how to be a Christian and it can be overwhelming. But here's when it becomes overwhelming. Whenever you forget that it's not all up to you. If you think it's all up to you, it is overwhelming. It's too much. You have no hope. You're going to fail. But it's not up to you at all. Not even a little bit, actually. If you're going to be sanctified, it is going to have to be God who does it. Zechariah said in Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You're going to follow me, not by your power, your strength, but by my spirit. I'm the one that's going to strengthen you to do what I've called you to do. Colossians 1, 29, Paul says, Whereunto also I labor, striving, striving. That means he's working hard and he's doing it according to his working. That's what Paul says. I'm doing all of these things according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You see? Paul says it's God who's doing this. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It is God who works in us. It is God who sanctifies us. And anything good that we have done, it is God who did it and not us. Are you see? Are you following? And so, well, how does God do that? Well, we read it, didn't we? John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. And so he does it through his word. Thy word is truth. He also does it through suffering and trials in our life. He works through those things, doesn't he? James 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in a diverse temptation. When you go through trials and you struggle, count it joy. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have 
her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so James says these trials and struggles you go through, God has allowed them into your life, and he takes those tri trials and the struggles that you go through, and he takes the word of God, and he takes those things, and he, he uses them together to sanctify you. And God uses these things to work in your heart and to bring you from where you are to where, you, uh, where he wants you to be. God doesn't cause bad things to happen normally, unless sometimes he does, if it's a judgment in our life, you know that. But, but God does allow bad things to happen in our life. Listen, everything that's happened in your life, God didn't necessarily cause it, but he did allow it. And why did he do that? Because God wants to use that, God wants to use that to sanctify you. You see? God wants to do that. That's why he allowed it in your life. So it can sanctify you. And God's powerful enough to use it that way, isn't he? And so he allows these things in your life, and he takes his word to make you more and more into the image of his son. And it is God who sanctifies you. And then Paul says, and it's the very God of peace. The very God of peace. He's the one. Why does God call him the God of peace? He could have described God a lot of ways. Well, it's because peace, peace is God's desire through all of this. Here's why God brings you through sanctification. It's for peace. Well, what do you mean? Well, God died on the cross, and he sanctified you positionally. Why? Because God wanted peace between you and him. That's what God wanted. He set you apart from the world because the world was at war with God. And you were at enmity with God. But God sanctified you. God died on the cross and forgave you of your sin and set you apart from him from where you were because he wanted peace with you. And now you're at peace with God and no longer at war with God. And so he's the God of peace. He wants that. He doesn't want war with you. You see? You doing good? Yeah. But God also, listen, God also wants peace between you and other people. God desires peace between you and God eternally and as you walk this earth, but he also desires peace between you and others. God wants that. He's the God of peace, and it's him that's going to sanctify you. He wants for you to have peace in this life. He wants for you to have the abundant life. And that's why he gives us so many commands to follow. He doesn't just give them out to us to see what we can handle. No, each one of them is given to produce peace between you and God or and or between you and others. That's what God desires through all of this. That's why God gave the commands he gave, the ones we've looked at for the last couple months. And he, he gave commands and he addressed relationships within the, the, within the church family because he wants peace in the church, doesn't he? God wants unity in the church. He wants us to be unified. He wants the sheep and the under-shepherd, the pastor, to be at peace. He wants the sheep and the sheep to be at peace among themselves. He wants peace between sheep and the great shepherd, between him and them. Now listen, you can, have, you can be at peace with God as far as your eternity is, is concerned, 
you're not at war with him anymore, but you can still be strained relationship with God as you're walking in this earth. And so God gives you commands to follow so that you can have peace with him, too, as you're walking this earth. He wants peace between the sheep and the shepherd's voice. He doesn't want the sheep to be mad at his voice. And so he said, despise not prophesying, and he said to uh, test all things, prove all things. He said. Are you seeing it? So he, the whole thing is wrapped around peace between you and God and you and men. And, but here's the point that Paul's making, is none of this is possible unless God does it. You need God to do it. Well, then the question is this. Well, then wait, wait, what is, wait, wait a second. Don't I have something to do with all this? What, what is God going to force me to grow spiritually? Is he going to make me live for him? Well, no, he's not. And so, in a sense, you do have a role to play. <clears throat> here's, what, here's your job. Let him. If this is all going to happen, God has to do it, but you have to let him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. The word is here, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here's all you got to do. Surrender. You be a sacrifice. You sacrifice what you want. You sacrifice what you think is best. And you let God work. You see? God wants to work in and through you. He does. God wants to help you. God wants to do these things in your life. God wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But you have to let Him do it. He doesn't force anybody. He doesn't force anybody to get saved. He doesn't force any saved person to live for Him. He doesn't. He says in Romans 6 that you have a new master now, but you can still serve the old one. You can still serve your body of sin if you want to. He's not going to make you. But that's different than you doing this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to live this Christian life by yourself. But you do have to let him do it. Are you following? God, Listen, God never intended for the struggle of the Christian life to try and try and try and try to live the Christian life. To just do better, to just do better, just do better, and one day maybe you'll be good enough. That was never God's intention for you. That's a frustrating life. You'll never be good enough. You'll never live up to the law of God. In fact, the law of God was given to show you that you can't live up to the law of God. That's a frustrating life. I'm thankful we don't believe we can lose our salvation, because I would lose it every day. Because I can't do this, and you can't do this. Here's the struggle of the Christian life is surrendering to God. Listen, all God wants from you is to surrender. If you surrender to God, He'll do it. What does that mean? Well, that means that you need to make what you think not very important. What you want not very important. What you feel not important. And you surrender to what God thinks about it. And you surrender to what God feels about it. And you surrender to what God wants with it. Paul said that you, those, those who are in Christ have crucified their flesh with the affection 
and lust in Galatians 5. The affections is your feelings. The lust is your desires. If you're saved, then your affections, your feelings, your desires have been crucified. You don't have to give in to your desires. You don't have to give in to your feelings. You don't have to be ruled by your feelings and what you're, what you're, how you feel today. What you need to do instead is allow yourself to be ruled by the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you. And all you have to do is truly in your heart put down your arms and surrender and let God work. That's what God expects of the Christian. And that's all he expects. Why? Because everything else comes after that. Everything else is what he does after you let him. And God so bad wants to work through you, but he works so hard working in you, trying to get you to surrender your way, trying to get you to understand your way is not working, your way is not working, your feelings are wrong, your desires aren't right. The way you think is not the way I think. The way you feel is not the way I feel. And look where your feelings have gotten you. Look where your ways have gotten you. Look where your desires have gotten you. Lay them down and let me work. That's the, that's the plan of God. Yeah. It says in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but instead be filled with the Spirit. We just got to let the Holy Spirit have His way. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we don't do anything. That doesn't mean we just sit on our living room floor, crisscross applesauce, and hum and wait for God to do it, right? No, that's not how it works. We need to put forth the effort. But all the while, as we're serving God, recognizing and realizing that we cannot do this, like as we're doing it, we can't do it. But God can do it. You see? That's the Christian life. That's how it works. So God says, you do this. And you say, I can't do it, but I'm going to. And then you start doing it, and God does it. It's like David and Goliath. David didn't have the might in his own arm to kill Goliath. But he went down there, because he knew God can do it. You see? Are you seeing it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And not, and I'm sorry, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Here's what he says. But I labored more abundantly than they all. He says, I've worked harder than anybody. I've done more than anybody. And he's not being uh, proud because he says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You see? Are you following me? He's done a lot, but it wasn't him, really. Are you following? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, he says in Colossians 1.29, Whereunto also I labor, I labor, striving, working. He was working. He wasn't just sitting around waiting for God to do it in that sense. He was out there doing what God told him, but it was according to his working. You see? Which worketh in me mightily. And so God doing it and us doing it, they can't be separated. Well, well, what do you mean? If you're serving God, it's only going to be because God did it. 
right? If you're truly serving God, if you're truly loving people, if you're truly doing, living the life that God wants for you, God did that. But if God did that, then you did it, too. You following? You and Him, but all the while understanding really is all Him. Are you following? He does it. He does it. Here's what you are. Here's what it, here's what it all comes down to. You're a willing vessel. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. No matter how hard it seems, if God wants you to give something up, that you know he wants you to give up, you can do it, if God wants you to do it. What, are you telling me that God's more powerful, than, that, that that's more powerful than God? No, it's not. If God wants you to do it, you can do it. If God wants you to be kind to people and not be so cranky, you can do it. No, it's just my personality. Well, your personality is not more powerful than God is. If God wants you to do it, then you can do it. You just need to ask his help. You, see. you need to get some counsel on it. And this is going to be, this isn't a mystical thing. There's going to be things you got to do. You know, there's, there's going to be processes involved with this. You're going to have to get some counsel with whatever God asks you to do. But if God wants you to do it, well, then you can do it. Because God's going to do it. That's the whole deal. Are you following? And so he wants to sanctify us, and he wants to do it holy. You see there in verse 23? The God of peace sanctify you holy. Well, what does that mean? And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, God wants every part of your being to be set apart to him. Every part of your being. He wants everything in your body, everything your body does. He says, your whole body to be set apart. Everything you do, it needs to be in line with what God wants. But not just what you do, but also what you think about. You see? The inner and the outer. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body. Everything about your life. God deserves it. And God wants it to be sanctified. Are you following? God wants every part of you. Everything you do. Everything you say. Everything you think. Everything you feel. Everything you want. He wants all of it to be set apart unto Him. You see? And all it takes is you just surrendering, truly in your heart. And being honest with God and saying, God, whatever you want with me, I'm willing to do it. That's all it takes. And God will begin to work for me. And what that means is there should be, listen, there should be no part of who you are, no part of what you do, no part of what you say, no part of what you think about that is not surrendered to Him. You go through your life, and you say, God, if you don't want me to have this, it's gone. You see? And God, if you want me to do something different with this, consider it done. Just tell me what it is. This is the life of the Christian. This is the mindset of the Christian. And God wants every part of you. Hey, God gave every part of himself to you. And God desires every part of yourself given to him. Sanctified. Set apart for his use. What you think about, 
set apart for his use. What you say, how you say it, set apart for his use. What you look at, set apart for his use. What you're scrolling on and looking at, set apart for his use. Well, Brother Chad, that's my personal life. God's involved with your personal life. When you say this is my personal life, what you're saying is you're serving men who should not be a part of your, your personal life. But God needs to be a part of your public life and your personal life. And it needs to be set apart for his use. You follow me? So ask yourself what you're doing. Is this hindering? Is this part of my life, is it hindering God's usefulness and my usefulness for God? Just be honest with God about it. Is this part of my life hindering what God wants to do with me? And if it is, it's gone. And you don't need to, listen, you don't even need to figure it out. You just need to be willing to let it go. If there's anything in your life where God, where, listen, where Jesus Christ stood and sat at your, at, like across the table from you and said, this part of your life, I don't want it. If there's anything in your life where you would say to God, I don't know, that's the problem. You see? The problem is you're not willing to give it up. You see? God's not necessarily going to make you give everything up. But he does ask you to be willing to sanctify any area of your life. And here's what this, here's what this looks like practically. You, you, this is a decision you make. God, anything you want is yours. God usually doesn't just unload on you. Change this, change that, change that, get rid of that, get rid of that, get that, get that, change that, because he knows you, and he's not going to put more on you than you can handle, right? That's what the Bible says. But here's what it looks like. Okay, this. God will tell you. He'll work in your heart. This right here, get rid of it. And then you'll say, okay. You take a step. And then God will say, now right here, change that. And you go this way. And then you take a step. Okay, now this. You take this step. And you know what you're going to find out when you're 98? There's still something that God says, now this. If you ever are finding that God's not telling you anything, it's probably because he's already told you this, and you're not going to get rid of it. And you're, you're saying, nope, not this. Okay. God says, okay, I'm not going to make you do nothing, but you're not going a step further because I said this. Are you following? This is sanctification. And honestly, you're never staying still. When, you, when God says this and you say no, you're, not just, you're just not stepping. You're doing this. And then probably something that God's already worked with you about, you'll say, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. And you know what? Four services a week? Nah. Nah, no. Uh, do I have to read my Bible every day? I mean, come on. And one day, you're, you're going to wake up in a place you never thought you'd be. And so God wants us to keep walking sanctifying. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. And here's what Paul wants from them. He says, I want this to happen until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You keep doing this. 
This is the rest of your life, Paul says. You just keep making change after change. And again, your Christianity is not based upon somebody else's Christianity. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Just compare yourself to whether or not you made the last step. And don't compare yourself to others who you feel are less spiritual than you. You just see, are they making steps? That's what matters, isn't it? The Christian life is step by step by step. And that's, that's what we need to do. And by the way, what's Paul doing? He's praying that those he loves and are ministering to are doing that. And we need to do that. Don't we? we need to be taking step by step. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But we need to be praying for each other that each of us will be sanctified until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, all this sounds impossible. So he sandwiches it with verse 24 and again says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And that is, what I'm telling you to do is impossible without God, but it is very possible with God. You see? And what verse 24 says is this. If God asks you to do it, you don't have to do it. You need to let him do it. What do you mean? You just surrender it to him, and he'll take care of it. Faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. God said, go take care of Goliath. The whole army was scared out of their minds. David said, guys, what are we doing? God said, take care of Goliath. I don't think he's going to let Goliath kill us. Go take care of Goliath. We can't do that. I'll do it. I'm 16, and I'm going to go do it. You're going to go do it? Yeah. But it's not me who's going to do it. God's going to do it. And what do we see? David's slinging a little stone into the head of a, of a guy who's been fighting his whole life, and he's nine and a half feet tall. God did it. All David did was say, was recognize that God wanted him to, and then took a step. And then took another step, and he ended up in some creek somewhere, found some rocks, took some more steps, he ended up in the valley, took another step, saw a giant, threw a rock at him, God took care of it. But we need to trust God and be sanctified step by step until Jesus comes back and fully sanctifies us for all eternity. God, thank you so much. Thank you that you love us so much to call us to sanctification. God, you know what our life is like as we follow ourselves, as we live our life based upon what we want, as we live our life based upon what we think, and what we feel. Thankful that you, you intercede with your word. And I'm thankful that you show us a different way. And that you lovingly, softly call us toward that way. And God, help us to trust you. Help us to know that you know best. Help us to know that you're able to do these things that you're calling us to do. Help us to trust you and by faith take a step. And God, I don't know all of the steps represented in this room. I'm not sure what you're calling each and every one of these people to do, but I am confident that they know what it is. And so, God, I pray that you would give them the courage, and really more than that, just the faith 
and the peace that comes from trusting you and just take the step. Lord, help them to trust this. Lord, if there's one here that's not saved, one, of, one here that hasn't been sanctified eternally, that they're still fully engrafted in the world and really maybe have no idea what I'm talking about tonight, but you, your Holy Spirit would work in them and help them see their need, help them see that they need to be saved. Lord, we love you. Christ in my prayer. Amen. Brother Josh is going to